This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 364 of the Yellow Wallpot. I'm your host Stefan Butzko and today we will talk about Dortmund's third win in a row against Arminia Bielefeld and we will preview tomorrow's match when Borussia Dortmund will face their future head coach Marco Rose with the ailing Borussia Mönchengladbach who have lost three in a row in the quarterfinal of the German Cup. And for all that and more joins me the head of user experience for Sports Reference Returning champion, Adam Dorowski. Hello, Adam. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me. It's great to be on uh, in the midst of a winning streak, which is really nice. It seems like uh, I, I often join <laughs> Just when it's Just in doom time gloom, to snap but, it. <laughs> uh, you know, every, anything I say is going to end up being a jinx, but uh, I don't know. You got to speak, so I'll, I'll keep going. Yeah, no, I, I don't really have too many things to say. In fact, I'm done and you can have the rest if you want. Um <laughs> But uh, yeah, since I'm the host, I guess I'll uh, ask the first question, uh, and that of course is in uh, regards to Dortmund's three nothing win. Uh, but before I ask any questions, uh, of course, uh, since we have so many patrons that uh, support us, and that means I have extra time to do stuff, uh, I'll play the little montage to get us into the mood. Who here is Sancho, gorgeous first touch. Jaden Sancho, it's beautiful from Sancho, and he's found a hoot who fires it into the bottom corner. His first league goal since 2018, and a landmark moment for Jaden Sancho, his 50th Bundesliga assist. He's the youngest player ever to reach that milestone, and the first to do it in his first 100 games. It's 1 0 Dortmund. Jaden Sancho has made a goal. Jaden Sancho has scored a goal. And it looks like 2021 might just be Jaden Sancho's year. And Dortmund leads by two goals to nil. Sancho through for Holland. Beautifully done. And what an introduction. It is Radier scoring almost immediately after coming on. And that is his first ever Bundesliga goal. Talk about a super sub. Radier makes it 3 0. Well, I'm uh, very thankful to the excellent Kevin Hutchard to uh, include all the uh, great statistics that Jane Sancho achieved in this game against Bielefeld because uh, that also perfectly sets you up now, Adam, because Jane Sancho, of course, uh, is, if you will, the man of the match with a goal assist and pre-assist. Uh, why was this such a good game for Jane Sancho? What did you find out on fbref.com? Yeah, he had some 
very high single match totals. So I started going back through his career match logs and ended up finding quite a few career highs uh, from this game. So I'm just going to kind of run through a few of them, if you don't mind. So shot creating actions. So that uh, we call shot creating actions. Those are the two actions that precede a shot. So that can be either a pass, like a pre-assist or a regular assist. It can also be a defensive action that wins the ball. It could be a dribble that gets past a defender. It could be a shot that's rebounded. So he had 11 in that match, and that is a new career high for him. And I, I thought it was really interesting that the career previous career high for him was 10, and that was in that match against Leverkusen in his first season, uh, that, that kind of coming out party that he had. Also, we have progressive passes and progressive carries on FB ref. And a progressive pass, it is uh, – that is – the. The, the, the definition, I'll just read it here, is completed passes that move the ball towards the opponent's goal at least 10 yards from its furthest point in the last six passes or any pass completed into the penalty area. So basically, it's, and using just regular terms, that's the pass that's going to like break down the defense and cause some scoring chances. And he had 14 of them. His previous high was 11. So this was a, a, a quite a quite a bit more than his previous high, which was uh, in 2019 against Hoffenheim. He also had 14 progressive carries. That wasn't a, a career high for him. He's had he had 20 uh, last year against Dusseldorf. Uh, progressive passing distance. So this measures just the distance that he passed toward the goal. Uh, he had 388 yards. I didn't realize that this was also a career high for him. His his previous high was 370 against Union Berlin, also in 2019. He had seven key passes. His career high was nine, but still that's a lot. He had 10 passes into the penalty area. His career high was eight before that. Six carries into the penalty area. His career high was eight before that. So not not quite a, a new high. But basically, Jaden Sancho, he, I mean, we've, he's blown us away the last four seasons. But in this match, he shattered a lot of these amazing things that he's done before. And it was just incredible to see. Yeah, he's on uh, quite the run now. I think he has three goals and three assists in total in the uh, last four games. Uh, that he played. I think Matt Sommels after the game said that Jane Sancho has uh, sort of adjusted his work mentality. You know, he is doing more in the uh, gym, <laughs> working on his body and on the training ground. And uh, Matt Sommels said that uh, young players must understand that work will always pay off. And I guess uh, in this case, it's absolutely true. Um, of course, it's great to see him now have his 50th Bundesliga assist already uh, in 99 games, I think it was, mm -hmm. and he is the youngest one to achieve that mark. Um, it's uh, amazing to have such a player on a team, and of course, um, yeah, he really did help Dortmund uh, achieve this win, which in, in the end, I think the expected goals from uh, FB ref was 3.6 to Dortmund uh, and 0.6 to Bielefeld, which I think reflects it quite well. Um, we can obviously talk about how Bielefeld arguably could have scored a couple of goals as well. But uh, at some point, Dortmund need to be a little bit more lucky, I think, after conceding a lot of uh, low percentage chances, like in games against uh, Union Berlin or uh, SC Freiburg or Mainz also, I think. So um, this is helping Dortmund now. And I think Tessic at today's news conference mentioned it as well, that, for example, against Sevilla, where that one free kick hit the post, And in the Schalke match in the Revier Derby, you also had a shot that hit the post, which uh, were shots that went in previously. But uh, back to Sancho, um, 
Yeah, fantastic game, obviously. And uh, Tessic, I think, said it himself uh, two of the match that, uh, you know, in order to bring him back to form, quote-unquote, um, you know, switching him over to the left side again and, uh, you know, a lot of uh, talks with him have, have had. And uh, you can really see that Jane Sancho in, in the last games, um, yeah, I, I don't know about you, but I think you can see that he's identifying very much with Borussia Dortmund. And it's very reassuring to see that. Uh, I think someone posted a video um, right at kickoff where he was singing the Hey Abifabe song. <laughs> so um, right. these, these are all little uh, endearing details, I would say. So um, yeah, it's obviously amazing to have such a player. And uh, interesting also that he uh, then took the penalty when uh, Marco Royce was fouled in the uh, 57th or so minute. Um, yeah, uh, overall, uh, I'm very content with this performance, especially after the win against Sevilla and Schalke Dortmund have so many times immediately deflated then and especially in their home games and not uh, been up to par um, this overall I think was a, a really encouraging performance and sets Dortmund up for the next two games which are obviously very tough um, how did you uh, find Dortmund's overall demeanor in, in this game against Bielefeld again with uh, I think Dahoud and Bellingham in midfield because uh, yeah Delaney, uh, he had an illness, you know, after becoming a dad and missing a, a, a match. Uh, then he comes to the Sevilla, uh, to the Revier Derby and, uh, you know, completely destroys Schalke and then he's <laughs> out again. Um, hopefully he'll be back against Gladbach. Um, but uh, yeah, in interesting lineup picks for uh, from Terzic and obviously Gio Reyna was back in there as well how did you see those players and Reina in particular yeah I think Reina it, it's interesting how you said the the demeanor of Dortmund I feel like overall the demeanor has really shifted and I was keeping a closer eye on Reina's demeanor because obviously he's in a, a rough patch of form he had some very bright moments in this match and I, I kept an eye on his demeanor because it was he was definitely frustrated, but I felt like it was positive frustration. Like he's, it wasn't like putting his head down and, and being upset. He just, he just really, really wants to help this team so much that he was getting frustrated that he couldn't. I felt like it, it seemed a little bit more encouraging there. Now, in terms of overall demeanor of the team, I think I, I've long been huge Dahoud guy. So thrilled <laughs> to see him thriving here. Um, one thing you said earlier too about like the the balls hitting the crossbars and stuff like that in a previous match if uh Dortmund had lost the ball uh on the the Dehoud path there was a loose pass by Dehoud in the second half i think it was that almost led to a goal i think it was Cordoba who who there wasn't had a, a terrible 40, shot 43rd minute so it wasn't the first half Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not quite. So those in previous matches, that ball goes in like that. That's no doubt. That's a, that's a goal in previous matches. So things are, are turning around, not only in the skill they're showing and the demeanor they're showing, but also in the, the luck aspect, which it's felt like for a while, nothing was going right. Like those matches against Cologne, every single thing going in, that's not happening right now. And it, it's nice to see a little bit of reverse of fortune. Yeah. I think that's a very good point because, um, as so always in a low-scoring game, luck is a big factor, especially in, uh, in in football. And that Cordova opted to 
shoot the ball with the outside of his boot instead of just using the inside uh, was a big letter for Dortmund, I think. And I don't know if mm. Marvin Hitz could have done much about it. It was just a, a very poor giveaway by Dahoud because it was a very heavy touch. But um, there were not too many other chances that Bielefeld really had. And I think that speaks for Dortmund. Um, that Dortmund lose the ball in midfield, um, especially uh, the way they're playing right now and, and concede a counterattack. Um, I think that's the most normal thing in the world. And even if you play against a team like Bielefeld, which I think uh, recently have always conceded like three goals against Wolfsburg and before that against Bayern, um, you know, they can always uh, hit teams on the counter. And uh, yeah, it, it was a really uh, poor touch by the hood. But otherwise, uh, I think he had an excellent game yet again. And uh, that's probably the biggest source of optimism right now for Dortmund fans that uh, he is... Uh, not inconsistent <laughs> and obviously uh, these things uh, are something that you have to prove every uh, other game of course but um for for now i'm just very happy and of course um you know in the in the bigger picture right now um if you look at Borussia Dortmund um you know a, a lot is going on in terms of how their future is going to go obviously they're uh, fighting for the UCL spots and uh, you know, landing in the Champions League will have a big impact, but also at the same time, uh, Michel Sorg will bow out in the, at the end of this year, which of course uh, is a massive transformation for Dortmund. And I think, was it yesterday or the day before, um, that uh, it sort of leaked out that uh, Sebastian Kiel will succeed him, but it's not entirely clear yet whether it will just be Kiel or whether someone else will be next to him. You know, people are talking about Sven Mislintat maybe from VfB Stuttgart. <laughs> and I could even right. throw Freddy Bobic into the mix, who obviously uh, just announced that he wants out at Frankfurt, but I think he's more going toward Hertha Berlin. But uh, just to keep this in mind, so um, that uh, right now is, is an absolutely crucial phase uh, for the long-term future of Borussia Dortmund, pr probably more so with the... Uh, uh, position of uh, sporting director and whether Dortmund finish fourth or fifth or sixth, etc. Nevertheless, uh, do you believe in destiny that now of all time uh, Mahmoud Ahoud starts scoring uh, from distance? Hmm. You know, he certainly had enough uh, practice uh, with these <laughs> shots over the, the course of the years. And, you know, fun. that's two in a row now that have gone in. I, I think it's two in a row. I don't know if I had any shots in between. But, man, I will take it. Uh, my favorite part about that first goal, too, was that <laughs> the assist, well, the pre-assist, I guess, uh, would have gone to uh, Dahoud himself. So he it was I don't know if it's quite in the defensive third, but it's pretty deep. But he launched that pass to Sancho, who took it down beautifully. And then he hoofed it all the way up and got right there to be in the perfect scoring opportunity. And, you know, he, he put it right in. I, I think he's even his shooting is going well, which was kind of the, the thing that even when Dahoud was going well was the thing that we would pick on about him. But, man, even that's working right now. So the guy is everywhere. Now he's scoring goals, uh, pre-assisting his own goals. I, I love it. Yeah, uh, that was obviously an amazing play overall, um, but also made possible by Bielefeld just not being well positioned because it preceded Mats Hummels trying to dribble forward, which is obviously something he probably doesn't always do against other opponents. But uh, in this particular case, he lost the ball, but, uh, you know, it, 
the ball just bounced toward the the midway line and Dahoud just picked it up and I think he he actually played it first time he was just uh, about in Bielefeld's half and uh, right to Jane Sancho on the left wing and then Sancho dribbles inside and what I find very funny is that I think at the time Sancho is playing that pass there are probably two or three Dortmund players Haaland definitely already in the box Royce is is around there and I'm sure Reina is, is around there as well and and the uh, penalty area is really clogged with bodies from Bielefeld and Dortmund and uh, the fact that uh, all Dortmund players sort of bind Bielefeld's defenders to open up the space for the hood is, is is amazing and that's obviously a big tactical mistake by Bielefeld to to leave the hood open and uh, run through basically because uh, for a player like the hood that's the perfect position but still managing to thread the ball through all these bodies into the the left corner I think it was pretty well placed to the shot you know the uh, uh, Bielefeld goalkeeper uh, Ortega who had a really amazing game um, he could not do anything about it so um, yeah just really happy with that uh, goal to to be honest especially because it came in the 48th minute and uh, you were already kind of wondering uh, whether this was going to be another one of those Dortmund's game, Dortmund games where uh, they play well but then don't reward themselves I mean in the first half you had uh, Mark Reus rattled the crossbar right uh, uh, at the beginning and obviously you had uh, that Bellingham chance where he was blocked and uh, Girena mm-hmm. had a good chance. By like eight bodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he just needed to lob it, but, uh, you know, he he, right. he tried the low shot and that uh, did not work. Um, yeah, I think Reus's uh, shot was in the 28th minute and that was sort of the only um, mistake by Ortega, which uh, I think uh, his... His set piece defense, I think it was, wasn't it? Uh, he sort of just punched the ball into into Reina. Something similar happened happened to Marvin Hitz not too long ago. So um, yeah, that's a big criticism, but I think he made up for it by saving a Marco Reus shot later uh, with his head. <laughs> so um, yeah, qu- quite fantastic. Um, otherwise, of course, uh, that penalty. Uh, do you think it was a mistake by the referee to blow the whistle instantly and uh, not wait for Giorena to tap it in? I don't believe it was a mistake. I mean, it, it seemed unfortunate at first because my first thought immediately went to, oh, great, Dortmund has converted 25% of penalties. That's <laughs> not going to go well. But um, my understanding is after the the whistle blew, the the ball did hit Marco Royce's arm. So if it did go to VIR, then then it would have been called back anyway. So I, I don't want that to happen. So I'm glad that they did get the penalty out of it. As, as far as whether or not it's a mistake, I believe it's not because I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I'll be completely honest. I'm not sure. Well, I think he he should have uh, you know went went through VAR or. Uh... Usually, uh, you know, they they let every offside call sort of go for 10 minutes, but then uh, they immediately blow the whistle there when the ball is still bouncing through the box. I, f- I found that was a bit weird refereeing, but uh, I mean, in the end, uh, Dortmund were lucky that uh, Jane Sancho did convert this uh, penalty. And I think with that, it, to me at least, in the 58th minute when Sancho made it to, ne- to nothing, the, the game felt over. It was mm. not even like uh, the game against Schalke where I thought the game only really felt over once Dortmund scored a third. This time I, I felt like uh, the 2-0 was enough to to put it out of Bielefeld's reach because, to be honest, uh, the team of Uwe Neuhaus, who now has been fired, uh, which, uh, yeah, 
I, I'm not sure I would subscribe to that decision, to be honest, but uh, he has been fired. Um, yeah, uh, th there was not that much going forward that Bielefeld could honestly threaten Dortmund uh, as uh, yeah they have threatened other teams, just also because Dortmund were just very well organized throughout the entire game and they were not really letting up. And uh, then, of course, we have to talk about uh, the first goal of uh, Heinier. After just coming on, I don't know if it was his first or second touch because uh, he was involved in the uh, build-up to the goal, but I'm not sure if he hit the hit the ball or uh, just blocked another player from from playing it. Uh, I don't know if uh, any uh, other people have picked that up, but uh, nevertheless, it was a tap-in. But um, Adam once again, just like he set up luck back in the day, uh, this time Erling Haaland, who had not scored at that point, uh, being unselfish and uh, giving a teammate a much-needed goal. Yeah, the unselfishness on that was amazing. Just the fact that he he knew that Renier was right there to tap it in, too. I mean, he's, he's such good awareness. He, everybody says that his pure focus is just hammering it into the goal, but I don't know. He's got some pretty good awareness of where his teammates are so he can play the ball like that. And it was honestly just really fun to see everybody so happy for Renier because obviously it's been uh, a rough go so far. There's been rumors about the, the loan possibly being terminated, uh, about both parties not really thrilled with the amount of playing time and what they're getting out of that playing time. So, see, I mean, it was a tap-in, but sometimes you just need that tap-in to, to turn things around, and it was nice to see everybody happy. Yeah, the only thing that uh, was a bit annoying in the end was that uh, Rafael Guerrero didn't uh, score his goal <laughs> because I think just uh, at the death of the game he had an excellent chance, but it was sort of a low shot and uh, Ortega saved it. But, uh, you, you know, Dortmund can be really happy with this uh, result because right now they are back in fifth place uh, thanks to SC Freiburg beating Bayer Leverkusen. Incidentally, on match day 11, when Tessic took over from Freiburg in December... Uh, Peter Bosch and the Werkself moved into first place and now on match day 23rd uh, or match day 23 rather uh, Borussia Dortmund are back uh, on top of Leverkusen um, which I kind of find a bit ironic but also just speaks to how uh, much Leverkusen have faltered. I think they have only two wins out of their last 10 games but uh, I'm not entirely sure um, that thing is completely over because A, um, after playing against Gladbach, Leverkusen will play against Schalke, against Hoffenheim, Berlin, Cologne. So um, these are all games where I assume they will pick up points and they won't have any Europa League football anymore because they uh, got beaten by young boys Bern. So, um, you know, I think a big problem for Leverkusen is injuries and fatigue and obviously Dortmund play Leverkusen on the final match day. So, um, I'm not saying that Dortmund are now comfortably ahead of Leverkusen, uh, by all means, uh, not the way Dortmund's season is going and not the way Leverkusen can always rally back because they're a good side, even though they have slums, but that's just very typical for them. Um, but also notable, I guess, is that uh, Dortmund are now only three points behind fourth place Eintracht Frankfurt, uh, who lost to Werder Bremen on Friday. Um, after being one nothing up, they lost... Uh, by 2-1, uh, Werder Bremen kind of turned it around in the second half, which I found uh, surprising, I'll be honest, because I only saw the first half and it did not look like uh, Werder Bremen would uh, have any sniff in that game. But, uh, you know, and obviously there's uh, some turmoil to be expected with the news breaking today that sporting director Freddy Bobic is wanting to leave the Eagles' nest. 
So interesting, but uh, more importantly, I think uh, if we look behind us, uh, Borussia Dortmund are now five points ahead of Union Berlin in seventh place and SC Freiburg in eighth place. And then, of course, six points ahead of ninth place, Borussia Mönchengladbach. And if that is not the perfect segue, Adam, I don't know what is because that's obviously our opponent tomorrow. A big game quarterfinal in the German Cup has been hyped, especially, I think, made bigger by the fact not only that uh, Dortmund play against the future head coach, but that uh, Bayer Leverkusen and uh, Bayern Munich are already out of this competition. Uh, and RB Leipzig, of course, uh, if I remember correctly. So that should make things a little easier for the black and yellows should they prevail against Gladbach. But that's obviously not easy because uh, the last time they faced off um, in, I think, January, uh, it was a 4-2 loss for Dortmund and Gladbach scored three set pieces in this one. So what to expect this time? Well, first of all, uh, Leipzig is still in this uh, in, in the cup. They're they're up against uh, Wolfsburg, so it was oh, weird. Yeah. There's like eight eight teams left, like four top tier teams, four lower teams, and uh, yeah, they they really just kind of split them in half. So only two from each group are going to go on. So yeah, for Dortmund's uh, problem is that Werder Bremen are still in it, but uh, they are going to play Regensburg. But I don't know when because I think that game has just been called off due to a coronavirus outbreak in Regensburg. So, uh, uh, yeah, that's obviously unfortunate. Yeah, definitely. In terms of what to expect from this, oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've been kind of meticulously tracking, well, up until the last couple match days, the the form of Marco, Roy's, uh, Marco Rosa's uh, team at, uh, since Edin Terzic took the start just because it was interesting to see that they were both kind of struggling uh, along with each other. Dortmund's record has now pulled ahead now that uh, uh, Gladbach's struggles have continued. So it's interesting that as soon as uh, this announcement was made, it's, it just seems like all the everything that could possibly go wrong for Marco Rosa seems to be. I feel like Dortmund has good momentum going into this and Gladbach does not. Of course, we, we all love to, to say that the cup has its own momentum. Uh, but I, I think we're going to see two teams that really want it. They're going to be, there's going to be goals. There's going to be, it's going to be back and forth. Um, as, as far as like the lineup, I don't know. Uh, I could potentially see a 4-3-3 again, like they played against Sevilla. I uh, don't think Akanji's back, so I assume we're going to have Embry John in the middle uh, of defense there. So maybe we've got a three-man midfield of of Dehoud Delaney Bellingham. Maybe Marco Royce uh, Marco Royce gets in there if we want to believe the the social media folks at Dortmund, but. Yeah, I think trying to mimic the Sevilla match as much as possible is probably the way to go because, I mean, as great as the, the last two were against Schalke and Bielefeld, they were against Schalke and Bielefeld. And even the first half of the season, we beat both of them handily. So I think that uh, taking the similar approach to Sevilla is the way to go. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, I think Dortmund need to play like this the next three games because after the Gladbach match, they will play against Bayern at the Allianz right. Arena and after that they will have to return like against Sevilla and uh, I think that uh, three-man midfield uh, really is a blessing for Dortmund and uh, I don't know if we'll actually see it but uh, I would hope uh, for, for it to happen to be honest um, you know um, it's also going to be really interesting um, you know whether 
Moray will still play it right back or or Meunier, and then you have Chan and Hummels in uh, uh, as as backs or whether it's Zagadou somehow. Um, the only const- constant next to Hummels is probably Guerrero, who will have to play all these games. But uh, you know the uh, the truth is. In in this sort of week, at some point, uh, you need to give even Guerrero a break. Um, so hopefully Dortmund can play in a way that uh, you know they can sub him off at some point. But uh, that's <laughs> it's a lot of lot to ask because obviously when you already have uh, so many changes in your back line, then adding Nico Schulz doesn't really uh, help matters either. So um, yeah, but. Uh, I have to say, um, I asked you about Giorena. I wasn't too impressed with him, to be honest, against um, against uh, Bielefeld. So I think that uh, there's better merit to say we'll revert to three in midfield and then just have uh, Roy, Sancho and Haaland uh, lead the line, so to speak. So, um, yeah, that's sort of my, my expectation. But obviously, you never know how the rotation machine will go. Maybe we'll see Julian Brandt again. Maybe Reyna will play again. Maybe Moray will play again. Uh, how about Hazard? Or talking, yeah, yeah, but I don't think he will start yet. I think that would still be yeah, too soon, not. to be honest. So, um, But yeah, it's it's definitely good to have him back. I don't know uh, how Tessic feels about Renier uh, now that uh, he has scored a goal, whether that does something to his standing or anything uh, but i presume it won't and obviously uh don't want to have uh, mokoku hanging around <laughs> uh obviously not someone who i expect to start in this particular game but uh, at least to, to throw in um on on the on the pitch and to make something happen and obviously uh for gladbach what i find uh is is worth mentioning is that uh, jan sommer won't be playing it was uh, it will be to be as the i watched the uh news conference today with uh, Marco Rose I think it was just him and the journalists and like uh, went half an hour and he was basically asked uh, how he feels about playing Dortmund uh, in in 18 different uh, versions a million times and <laughs> right. he just got more and more pissed but uh, what did what he did say is that uh, that he ranks uh, Erling Haaland as a world class player where I obviously cannot uh, uh, contradict him because I think that's correct. Um, but yeah, otherwise, um, there are not too many injuries on uh, the Gladbach side either. So um, yeah, it's just been bad form for them. I mean, they've lost to Cologne, uh, where Rose, Rose was really uh, scolded by his uh, fan base because it's obviously a big derby for them because he rotated a lot of players and was not playing the best team than the uh, a scoreless draw against Wolfsburg and then obviously a loss against Mainz after the announcement that uh, Rose will leave. And uh, yeah, obviously you can lose 2 nothing against Manchester City. I think that happens quite easily, especially if it's not at home in, in front of fans. But I think that that game happened uh, elsewhere as well, Budapest or so. And then obviously that really crushing defeat now in the top spiel against uh, uh, RB Leipzig, which uh, obviously helps make the Bundesliga title race uh, more uh, palatable, I guess. But uh, yeah, Gladbach were 2 up in the first half and then uh, Leipzig came and turned it around and uh, a nice winner in the stoppage time even. So another setback for Gladbach. So um, yeah, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on, on this Gladbach side and I don't know how they will handle it. Um, so 
yeah, my my hope is they will handle it poorly, to be honest. But uh, it's going to be a really tough game. You know, that's that's the only thing I I can say because Gladbach will will not offer much. It will be a very cagey affair, and uh, it would not surprise me if it's still scoreless by like the seventieth minute or so. Uh, maybe Dortmund in the meantime can concede a set piece or something like that. But oof. yeah, I I just really hope Dortmund uh, you know watch out for LVD this time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about right. you, but uh, yeah, this yeah. is this is going to be a really uh, intriguing game. Do you do you think that uh, the uh, Marco Rose joining Dortmund in the future adds something to the flavor or do you not care at all? Do you think that's something completely external what uh, is hyped in the media but uh, not really relevant for this particular game? Oh boy, the Rose Bowl. Um, <laughs> I I don't think that it adds anything on the pitch. I think that there, it gives the media so many different uh, angles to, to cover it. But yeah, I don't, I don't think it's going to mean much on the pitch because I don't think Rose is going to change how he uh, approaches this because of that. And I'm interesting to see that you're uh, predicting like a, a low scoring affair. I was kind of leaning the other way. I don't know if I, I, I agree with that part. I could almost see just this one just turning into total blowout on both ends. I don't know. We had six goals in the game last time, but I don't know. <laughs> Dortmund is definitely much more stable in the midfield at this point. So hopefully uh, 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 hopefully we go on, on, on your side more than on my side. Well, I mean, obviously my predictions are often wrong, but uh, usually when there was such a blowout game, then uh, it's it's more than likely that, um, especially since it's a knockout game, that teams are more risk-averse and... Uh, Obviously, Borussia Dortmund uh, with a th- midfield three, they will uh, press Gladbach, but not as high. And Gladbach have in in the past games also often played a low block. Now, what uh, helped Gladbach a lot to beat Dortmund was uh, Gladbach's own pressing, I think. But um, yeah, uh, I think what Dortmund are doing better right now, and especially with Dahoud in there, is that they're not giving up the ball as easily. So. Um, I expect both teams to have longer uh, possession phases than they had uh, beforehand. Now, you see, what I really liked about the game against Bielefeld, you know, you've already talked about the shot-creating actions, is that um, Dortmund had quite a lot, and uh, you right now see a flow again in the Dortmund attack. And there's a swagger mm-hmm. and fun about it, and, you know, you see back heels and... Uh, combinations into space there are runs made and runs find uh, found and uh, that's obviously something we haven't seen in uh, many many weeks beforehand so that kind of does make me op- optimistic that Dortmund uh, can create uh, enough chances to score the amount of goals they need to to get past Gladbach but uh, on the other hand uh, yeah it's it's going to be a real nail biter because Gladbach uh are no slouches either. I mean, they did score two goals against Leipzig, which is not very easy to do. And uh, yeah, they were a bit naive against uh, against uh, Man City. Um, I think that uh, a couple of their players could have had, like, for example, uh, uh, Hannes Wolf could have scored uh, very late. But um, yeah, it's it's a team, especially when Lars Schindler is, is having a good day, they can just hit you out of nowhere. And this is something that I always fear that Gladbach does so well. So, um, yeah, Dortmund obviously have the uh, uh, the warning that they should not concede too many uh, set pieces, but otherwise, um, yeah, 
it's it's not a game where there are too many secrets I find, right? It's just because we already had right. we played them twice and uh January is not that long ago. Um where Dortmund I think for 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 a good stretch was uh, the better team, but not for the overall um time and I think this is something that uh Tessich actually talked about um today. You know, that uh, I think he, he said quote, We are seeing more of our concept on the field. We did it we did see it beforehand, but not as long and not as often. And I think that's sort of the big difference that we now more clearly see what Tessich wants from this team. And uh, hence the uh, turnaround, you know, beating Schalke and Bielefeld and Son is obviously something any Borussia Dortmund team can do on any given weekend. However, uh, doing it in the form and fashion they did is, I think, still impressive. And so I'm carefully and cautiously optimistic for this one. Uh, what What do you think uh, how this will turn out? All right, we're going for the scores now. I think so, uh, unless you have something else to say about this game. I'm sure there are no, millions of things to say, but... Uh, right. I, I guess I was last thing I was thinking about was I, f I was trying to think if the last time we played Gladbach, the, yes, they lost 4-2, but the two goals that they scored by Holland were like beautiful team goals. And I feel like maybe that's where, where things started to to improve yeah. uh, on the offensive side, e even though, you know, it was terrible that they allowed four goals and lost, but, but the attack was starting to get itself together there. And it's been per going pretty well since then. Um, for a score, I, I was originally going a little bit higher, but I think, I'm, I think you talked me back down to <laughs> a three, two Dortmund win. So still going to be plenty of goals, but maybe nothing too bizarre. Is this in regular time or do you think this will go 120 minutes? Oh, that is a great point, and I think this will not go to penalties, but will go to added time. Man, you know, the the one thing with Dortmund, obviously, is, you know, the way they managed to uh, not beat Paderborn in regular time. That's that's super annoying, and I think is is something that could be a real disadvantage going into uh, the game against Bayern on, on Saturday if, the, if Dortmund go 120 minutes. So I really hope that this game... However, it ends ends in ninety minutes. Um, also for our own sake, but you know what's really exciting, uh, just for us Americans, that this game, uh, actually the next two games will be on TV. You don't have to stream it, uh, via an app or, uh, in my case, on on the laptop and then hook it up to the TV, because it'll be on ESPN News and uh, the other one against Bayern will actually be on ABC. So oh, wow. Dortmund can uh, <laughs> embarrass themselves uh, in front of a <laughs> national audience. Isn't that great? Or everyone will see the amazingness of Mahmoud Dahoud. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. No, uh, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm feeling far too confident ahead of the Bayern game. Maybe that Gladbach game will uh, change my mood because obviously we're all <laughs> wind socks when it comes to uh, the mood uh, and performance because I feel like it's often just affected by the last result. Um, but yeah, uh, it's I'm more confident than I've been in a while, but I still have zero confidence in that Bayern game. I'm like, oh, maybe, maybe we can get a point. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, Dortmund for Dortmund, it's a must-win game. Bayern, heh. I mean, yeah, they they have pressure from Leipzig now, but. Uh, it's it's still Bayern, so I don't I don't know if they're two faced to be honest. Um, but uh, we'll discuss that w on on Thursday with uh, uh, 
for example, Konstantin Egner, he's already agreed to come on finally. So uh, that's something to look forward to. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to say that Dortmund will win this 2-1 in regular time. And uh, that the scoring will probably start around the 75th minute or so. That's uh, my prediction there. Um, that's going to be uh, a real nail-biter and uh, Gladbach will equalize and Dortmund will uh, counter that again and uh, win it. Which... Uh, is then I I don't know that's that's maybe one question I I have to ask you still because uh, I I've seen a couple of people play around with it. what happens in Gladbach when Marco Rose loses this game too because that would be the fourth consecutive win and I think the sixth game without a win or something like that for Gladbach um, do you think uh, Max Eber would pull the emergency break and uh, fire Rose then because I mean in Bundesliga they are ninth place and they're European. Uh, aspirations are also a bit in peril uh do you think this is something that could happen now and if that happens big if obviously completely speculative and hypothetical uh would Dortmund then take Rosa immediately or would they just hang with Tessic <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh if 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 they let Rosa go and Dortmund took Rosa immediately, probably the only short-term uh, solution for Gladbach would be to get Terzic because he's the only one available who actually... Yeah, but Dortmund uh, won't let Terzic go. Well, he wouldn't go. technically be available. You're right, yeah. But he, he was actually showing signs of a turnaround, which is what they would need. So um, I don't think that they will. There might be more and more fans calling for it because... Obviously, they're not thrilled with with the decision he made anyway. But I feel like Max Erbel still thinks that uh, Rosa is probably the best one to finish the season out. As we saw with Dortmund, there, there just aren't very many stopgap solutions available. Uh, so I'm not sure who they would put in that situation. Yeah, uh, f- fair enough. Although I, I hear Christian Gross is uh, on the market. <laughs> I was going to say maybe Naldo, but he's taken. <laughs> Yeah, mm. I mean that's that's one thing I uh, I woke up to that uh, Schalke let go of of their uh, coach, sporting Everyone. director, and uh, you know I think fitness coach and all all kinds of people, um, and now they're looking for their fifth coach. So um, yeah, kind of kind of disappointed that this didn't already happen after the Dortmund game, but that it was Stuttgart who. Uh, got the honor of <laughs> destroying it. And apparently there were rumors, I don't know if it's true or not, that uh, there was a revolt uh, against uh, Christian Gross, uh, especially the players that he, I think, even picked, you know, with uh, Mustafi, uh, Huntela, and was it Kola Zinac? I don't know um, if, if there is any truth to it, but, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> if the tabloids reported, it must be true. Um, but either way, still kind of hilarious. Um, but yeah, um, I don't want to stretch this out indefinitely. So, uh, Adam, thank you for coming on on a very short notice and uh, helping me out produce a yellow airport for this uh, week. And obviously, we shall be back uh, on Thursday, as I already teased. Uh, in the meantime, Adam, uh, how can people find you on Twitter and uh, read more on uh, Jaden Sancho's uh, breakout performances? Oh, yes. Uh, Jaden Sancho stats coming at you fast on uh, Twitter at Foosball Twits. And yeah, get them all off fbref.com too. Very well. And you can find me at Stefan Wolzko on Twitter. You can find all of us at Yellow Wallport on Twitter and Facebook if you want to contribute financially, which would be greatly appreciated in uh, the corona times. Uh, then go to patreon.com slash the yellow for more information if you want to find our written content 
theyellowwall.net, where you can also find all the means and ways to subscribe to our show, which includes iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, you name it. And in the meantime, uh, I hope everyone can enjoy the cup game against Gladbach. And then, uh, yeah, I'm already looking forward uh, to discussing it and then previewing the big game against Bayern. And then, uh, yeah, the Sevilla match. So it's a big week for Dortmund and uh, they are hitting it in stride and hopefully they will uh, still be on their legs when uh, we are at the back of it. Anywho, as always, everyone out there, thank you for listening and goodbye.